welcome back to season two of Survivor Series Stories. As mentioned before, Survivor Series is a derivative of the Officially Street Podcast, and our goal with this series is to highlight different topics of discussion and subject matters that directly impact our culture. We appreciate everybody that tuned into episode one and that gave us their candid feedback. If you missed it, that episode featured Tahoe Jenkins of the Harder Soft Podcast and So Shameless Podcast. The stories that he tell are similar to so many that we've heard before, but also like none that we've ever seen. What set Tahoe aside for us is his ability to tell stories. So many people from all walks of life press play to that episode, and they all commented about how his words had them hanging on to the edge of their seat from beginning to end. You'll definitely want to go back and take a listen to that one if you missed it. In episode two, we sat down with Brandon McGee, a.k.a. Cozy of the Run The Tape podcast. Normally, Cozy just likes to talk about hip-hop, but in this episode, we got the origin story. Where he was born, where he's lived, the things he's had to go through at such an early age. This guy spent six months in a juvenile detention center in holding after being wrongfully accused of something heinous by his own family. Something that he never did. This episode opened our eyes in so many different ways, and we hope it does the same for you. Enjoy. All right, so the world knows you as Cozy, like a, a Brooklynite, one half of Run the Tape podcast, a hip hop enthusiast, you know, a strategic coordinator, if you will. Uh, but today we want to peel away the surface. We want to get to know Brandon McGee. Wow, Govies. We want to. <laughs> I didn't even know that was your name until right now when you said it. Oh wow! Shows Starting off with the gummies. We want to get behind the labels. Jeez. And, and so we want to start from the beginning. Where where are you originally from? So um, I was born in a military base, um, Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. My mom she served in the service. Um, she was a Marine along with my dad, and um, she kind of kind of flew the world a little bit. Um. She was 21 when she had me, mm. and it's a little too young. Uh, I mean, like, no disrespect to anyone who has, you know, a child younger or at that age or younger, but just in her situation, it was just a bit too young for her at the time. And um, she had, you know, a couple of great friends over in London who ran a boys' home um, mission house in Brixton, South London, and you know, they took care of me for a while. You know, so I lived there till I was about 11, moved to Brooklyn, kind of moved all around a little bit after that. We'll get into like, we'll get, I'm assuming we'll get into a lot of stuff later, but mm. so throughout my travels, London, Brooklyn, Chicago, DC, Baltimore, I've been around. How was it in London? Because it was, so you, you went out, you went out there, it was just you. Your mother was your mother in your life. It was just you. Out yeah, there, yeah. Right? It, was, it was just me. My father, like my dad, wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So he, how did she know uh, the people who ran the boys' home? Um, just I think they met. Like I think that they met during the service, and one of them, one of them was either honorably or dishonorably, you know, discharged. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I think a few years prior, and she decided to to do her own thing, and she. She moved back. I'm not really too familiar on that story, but mm-hmm. yeah, I know that they had dealings with each other prior to, you know, my arrival and all that. What was it like growing up in London? Oh, uh, man, it was great. 
um, for me, it was a great time. Um, I mean, I grew up in this part called, um, at some point, I grew up in this area called Angel Town, which was, you know, tough area to grow up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess they don't call them projects in that area. They call them estates. Right. I mean, everybody's watching Top Boy now, so <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone knows some type of lingo. But uh-huh. uh, they call them estates. So I grew up in Angeltown Estates, and um, you know, tough, tough area. Um, gun violence was was pretty high. Mm-hmm. You're kind of stacked on top of each other, so you, you get you, it's very crowded. Knife violence is a bit crazy. Um, knife violence in London has always been crazy, along with you know race relations has always been like mad. But mm-hmm. um, I. I look at my time in that area and I look at my time in Brooklyn and they really overlap in terms of the things, the adversity and the things that I had to deal with during mm-hmm. that time. You know what I'm saying? So I see them as like two peas in a pod, which is ironic, right? I always say like I, li- I lived in Bed-Stuy. So to go from Brixton to Bed-Stuy is like the New York version of that, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. So huge West Indian um, population, um, African you know, demographic is also uh, strong as well. Uh, impoverished neighborhood mm-hmm. as well, but definitely deep rooted in terms of culture. So it kind of seeps into you. You become, mm-hmm. you become like obviously you grow up as yourself, but mm-hmm. really the elements really, really shape and dictate the type of individual that you grow up being. And they're both a good way and a bad way. So you become a product of your environment, so to speak. Absolutely. This is related but unrelated. I haven't gotten into Top Boy at all. Do you feel that um, that's a good depiction of what life is like growing up in in London? Or is it a little... I mean, it's true. Like, Mm -hmm. it's real, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, like anything, man, when, when you get a group of individuals, people, who get a window into another place, like, if they came out with, like something from France mm-hmm. the same way right mm-hmm. and we would then start using the lingo as well too if it sounds mm-hmm. cool yeah. go ahead go run with it you know right. so at some point you do look at it and you say damn you know is this all there is as long as you don't run with the idea that it's all there is mm-hmm. um, and I've had the pleasure of, of living in a lot of different places that have landmark series that somehow overshadow the good what? part. So I lived in Baltimore. So the wire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone I, and I lived like and I lived in like the wire wire. Like I lived yeah. in the, like I lived in the track, mm-hmm. right? And so North Avenue, Greenmount, over east, over west. Like I'm familiar with that whole territory. So, but I can see how the wire has almost become bigger than the city in itself. Yeah, and that's not really a great thing. Because people who've never heard of that place, that's the only thing that they know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. London, obviously, it's more of a tourist attraction. So you have Big Ben, you have Buckingham Palace and things like that. But for the urban community, we latch on to things like that, which gotcha. isn't the best thing. Because um, it tends to alter the way that we view those type of neighborhoods. And there's so much great culture going around in Brixton. There's so much development going on in London. The gentrification is real. Mm-hmm. Um, the development and the glow up is real. Obviously, there's still some 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 socioeconomical problems, but um, but you know, shows like Top Boy they just show one facet. So for everyone that's enjoying the show, that's cool. But there's a mm-hmm. lot more than that. You gotcha. know, I would I would I would beg anybody to go and visit. 
just to kind of experience it for themselves. You get me? Was it a difficult transition for you to, I mean, I know you said it was almost like coming to the same place, but it was still leaving what you knew here and then coming over here. It's a horrible I mean? transition. It's an awful transition. So Why? it was difficult for you. Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, Brooklyn is... I have a question. Am I going to you... answer the first one? Yeah, no, I know. You moved straight to Brooklyn? Uh, yeah. Okay. So it was like, boom, boom, right? Mm-hmm. So moving to Brooklyn after that, Brooklyn is a very, very hard place. Mm-hmm. New York is a hard place. Yeah. But Brooklyn, it's, it gets worse as it, you know? Like yeah. like when you start to really mm-hmm. bring it down. Um, So you go to go from New York to Brooklyn to Bed-Stuy to... My my ends where I grew up, my area. That's a tough area. You know what I'm saying? So I grew up on Atlantic Avenue in Kingston. Um mm. and it's right off Fulton Street, Herkimer, all that. And it's a tough neighborhood. So imagine me. I have habits that I've developed over time. I still have those habits to this day. Mm. Tea is a real thing. Tea time is a real thing, right? <laughs> um, how I dress, how I speak, how I carry myself is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And growing up in my development, my developmental years there for me really had such an imprint on me that it was hard to shake. Mm-hmm. So what I did was when I moved to New York, I got tired of being ridiculed for where I was from. I got tired of being made fun of for where I was from. So what I did was I just assimilated, adapted. The first year I really worked on like that whole like, like we give props to like Idris Elba and shit for being able to switch like that mm-hmm. yo that shit's real yeah. right I mean obviously I used it in a, in a mode to just blend mm-hmm. I went to um, you know so for me it was just one of those things where just had to fit in man I'd rather fit in than stand out stand got up. to a point and the problem with that is I got so comfortable in it that I would say it took me about 10 to 12 years to really come to appreciate like my history mm-hmm. appreciate where I come from appreciate everything you brought it up about adapting and it's one thing that like you know we noticed because you have your show but you know you have your accent was that something that you when you started to adapt and you know you were I guess you wanted to speak sound like everybody else That's were you trying to hide that as like a shield like I don't want them to know this is who I am. Yeah. And so now I'm noticing now you're becoming more comfortable with just, all right, nah, this is me. It's where we are, yeah. yeah. It's, it's what, like, it's the room I'm in, literally, mm-hmm. like right now, you know? Yeah. Um, the purpose why we're here and things like that. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know? When you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Let I it go. That on our last episode, I was like, I didn't know he had an accent. Was- right. We we did want to talk about that because it was, yeah, cool. it, it also kind of, caught us off guard because we listened to your program we listened to your show and we've heard you on other people's shows we've met you in person we've had discussions and um you know for lack of better words you sound like us facts right and when we did our interview (laughs) right when we did our interview it wasn't uh necessarily to get deep as we're gonna get today um but we did want to kind of you know get to know you as a creative and we heard the accent peek out and we were wondering if that was something that was intentional or if it was a comfort thing. I would say a bit of a comfort thing. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it's something that I'm working on. Okay. So, like, for me, 
I've lost relationships, friendships, because I I didn't understand how to reel people in. I didn't understand how to really be myself. So I was what I thought people wanted me to be. Then when I became more comfortable with who I wanted me to be, and I began to show that, it was like, whoa, like you, that's not what, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? Not, mm-hmm. That's not what we became familiar with. So mm-hmm. I legit, man, like best friends, wow. just best friends, you know? And, they, and for them to get my whole story, they were like, wow, bro, like you're a whole different, like you're a whole, you have a whole person, bro. Like mm-hmm. you're a whole person. And a lot of people took it offensively. Like I was doing it to them. I'm like, I'm not yeah. doing it to you. I'm doing it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Granted, and I'm I'm trying to bring you on this journey with me. Mm-hmm. Clearly, because I value the relationship enough. But it's all about comfort zones. Cause you know what it is? Um, I get some really annoying questions. Right. I really like, like historically. Like what? Oh, bro. Um, uh, whether it be like Like funny, funny accents. People always speak to me in funny accents, and I find that shit offensive as fuck. Wow. <laughs> Yo, all right, real quick. We just spoke about that not too long ago. Remember? Right. And we were we were at just like at a bodega, whatever corner store, and we know this is something that we do. And I don't know if it's like intentional, like do behind register. Right. So mm. what do we do? What what do say? He's like, we, yeah, he <laughs> threw the, he threw the accent on. We was, and I'm we sure he thought it was like a joke, but like even I was just like, like yo, we that? do that, but that's really unnecessary. We we definitely, um, yeah, we was we was at the corner store and uh, we was waiting for our food to be made, and this dude was just asking homie what the price was, and it, <laughs> it's it's funny, but it's not funny because we used to do this too younger. But he was just like one dollar, one dollar. He was asking him, and I'm just like, damn. But yeah. as as an adult who has matured differently, me and Sayed looked at each other like, "Wow, he's wilding." But we that's that's what we used to do, and mm-hmm. we felt like we were making a connection, you know. Um, but is is that is that kind of what you experience, or is it different? The bigger thing is also when people find out where you're from. Mm-hmm. The next question is how you got here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to answer that question. Because mm-hmm. that question is it's a it's a long story. So mm-hmm. when people ask me like, "Yo, where you from?" I just keep it short. I just keep t- yo, I'm Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. I don't even go into the details yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. because if someone's like, "Well, how would you get here?" And it requires me to reveal something to you. I don't know you, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know you well enough to give you that history about me. You know what I'm okay. saying? So to me, it was a defense mechanism to just like you said, it's a shield. Mm-hmm. To kind of say now, once you like, once you're my man, so like, once I, I feel like, okay, this is the bro, then I'll bring you in, and we can we can have that type of chat. But until then, no, Brooklyn, that's it. Keep gotcha. it, keep it short. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. On our episode when we interviewed you, you had mentioned um, being arrested at a young age. Um, can you like talk to us about that? Tell us the story. What Whatever you were doing that day? Of yeah, thanks. So, um, I was thirteen. And I remember, oh man, this is, all right, cool. So, um, growing up, I, my father wasn't present, mm. right? So, with that being said, once I moved to 
the states, there was there was this type of effort to kind of rekindle and reconnect. Um, ended up living with him briefly for a little bit. So he had already had a whole nother life. You know mm. what I'm saying? He had a wife, two two daughters. And I was first born. I was the oldest in terms of his blood. But I had older sister and I had a younger sister. So they didn't really like me like that. And of mm. course, I'm encroaching yeah. on their space. Um, I'm I'm in their space now. And my dad is... Necess- he's he's not taking from them but as a child you feel like he's taking from me and giving to yeah. this person that I don't know so I became like a agent right like in, like in your body and your body wants to get rid of it and there was all types of things that you used to do like like my sister shot me in the leg when I was like 11 10 uh, right she shot me in the calf just on some joking like just having fun legit I was, was outside and I have to give this backstory to provide context. Yeah, but yeah, so things like that. So getting me in trouble for things that, you know, I didn't do. And my dad, he didn't necessarily have the rapport to understand like my character at the time. So whatever they said, I did, I did. And there was a lot of shit that I didn't even do. You know what I'm saying? So there was this one day I was sitting, I was watching, I used to watch my little sister when everybody was gone. It was just one day where I was chilling, man. I was chilling in the living room, just like this, watching the telly, just like that. My dad walked into the room, and he he just walked over to me. He was like, yo, stand up. I was like, yo, what's up? He punched me dead in my face. Mm. Like, like, punched me dead in my face. So I buckled back, fell on the couch, and he was like, how dare you? How dare you? I'm like, yo, what are you talking about? Like, what are you, what are you, yeah. like, bro, I'm sitting watching TV. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. <clears throat> so, long story short, um, my sister, my youngest sister, had told my parents, her parents, my dad and his wife, that I touched her. Mm. So, now she's like, I'm 13 years old. She's eight. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So, it happens. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, unfathomable yeah. for that to happen. But for me, I was like, nah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I asked my little, like, yeah, I protect her. Like, mm-hmm. come on. And I've watched her countless of times. Like, and it's never been, a, it's not an escalating situation. So how do you just know to yes without any type of nothing, mm-hmm. right? Granted, I know there's a precedent for it happening. But I'm just saying for me, that was my thing. So, um... My mother was living in Chicago at the time. My dad called and was like, yo, um, I need to send Brandon like back now, right? I need to send Brandon to you now. So I, I went into my room. I stayed in my room for like two days, legit. And the ironic thing is that the, I would not come out of my room. The only thing I would do is go to the bathroom Use the bathroom, come back into my room, and my and his wife would bring me food. Now, picture that. Yeah, that's crazy. Picture and so picture that. And I see that as foreshadowing. So now um I get dropped off and on a ride to the airport, my older sister, I remember she was sitting in the front seat. I was sitting in the back seat. I was getting dropped off at the airport and my sister turned around and she actually hit a knife 
in like her bag or something like that. And she turned around, she pointed at me. She's like, if I ever see you again, like I'm gonna kill you. I'm like, yo, all right, son, whatever. In my heart of hearts, I felt like that was a ruse to get me gone, which is what happened. I didn't talk to my dad for five years after that. After everything that happened yeah. after that within the next like year or so. Like when, when we were done with all this, I was like, yo, I'm done. Like, and we didn't speak all throughout high school. We didn't speak until like my maybe second year university. So kind of was with my mom for a bit. And the tough thing about that is that my mother's a single mother, right? And the worst thing, coming back home and your mom, like, don't believe you. Wow. Your mom, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your mom feel like, like you did it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she picked me up from the airport. She didn't even speak. So, I'm just sitting in the car like, fuck, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. So, and so, mind you... I've I've always felt like the black sheep just because of the fact that my dad's side didn't really accept me like that. My dad didn't want me like that. Mm. So my mom had me against his request and I kind of was just an outcast. So I even to this day I don't have a tight relationship with my father's side. Mm. Um because I just wasn't around him like that. So fast forward a bit. It was the summertime. This is 99. Summertime of 99, I was with my mom in Chicago and she was she was in DC for training. She worked for the Department of Housing and Urban Development. She was there for some training and I was there by myself, 13 years old, mm-hmm. whatever. And I remember once again, I was just watching TV, minding my business. I get I hear two knocks at the door. Regular, go get the door. It's two guys in suits or whatever. Mm. They were like, um, we're looking for Brandon McGee. And I was like, that's me? They're like, is your mom home? I'm like, no. They're like, well, we have a warrant for your arrest. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, how old right now? I'm 13. 13. So I'm 13. So I'm 13. I'm in the house. There's no adult there. My mom's mm. half the country away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just me in the crib. So at that point, I don't know protocol mm. in this situation. I don't know my rights yeah, in this yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. So they say, yo, you need to come with us. So I called my mom and my mother was in training at that moment. So she couldn't even pick up the phone. So they arrested me. Um, they allowed me to change my clothes and shit like that. But they arrested me and... Um, they extradited me to to uh, to Maryland because that's where mm. my that's where my father lived, and had me in um in lockup for a bit, about like two three days, mm-hmm. uh, and then they transferred me to Oak Hill, Oak Hill facilities in Largo, Maryland. So the problem with that is that Oak Hill is one of the worst juvenile detention centers in the DMV area. Mm. It was actually closed. In 2009, just due to How wild some, yeah, man, it was just some wild shit, like a lot of wild shit going on there. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wasn't convicted, um, but I, so statistically, one in five juvenile offenders are held without even anything. They're mm-hmm. just held. So yeah. you're just in limbo. You're neither guilty nor innocent, but you're just there. That mm-hmm. was me. 
So I was in that process, kind of in that limbo state for over six months. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Six months, almost close to a year without mm-hmm. any trial, nothing. So you were just there. I was just there. Not couldn't, even couldn't afford bill. years old. Yeah, so I couldn't like afford bill or nothing like mm-hmm. that. So I was just there, man. Did your parents eventually find out like where you were? Like, like how did... Well, my mom found out because we have uh, we had a very close I had a aunt, a great aunt uh, named Carolyn who um she kind of she lived in DC she lived in northwest DC and she came and she tried to she, they tried to organize like the money to like get me out but mm. you know Bell is like 50 50 that's crazy what were you accused of uh sexual sexual assault Wow. Sexual assault. How long had you been living with your mom before this happened? Oh, uh, we I, we had just been there for that summer. Like, wow. you know, this uh-huh. all happened, this all happened in like a, a six month uh-huh. span, you know what I'm saying? So I wasn't even there. Like I skipped I, I I was done. I was kicked out in the middle of the school year. So I didn't even get to really go to school. So I was sitting out the majority of the time. So mm-hmm. I was gonna go to school the following time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the following semester, or whatever they call it, school year. We'll just yeah. call it yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was year, thinking, school is this semester? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that happened right before I was supposed, to, supposed okay. to go to school. Did you ever think about the irony of that, of um, what your little sister accused you of, and um, then not very much longer? Uh, almost being accused of the same thing and being no, it was from her. It was it was from her. oh, so she okay. So okay. yeah, so basically, um, she said that you know, essentially, I raped her. Mm. That's what she if said. You wanna, if you wanna, yeah. But I feel like yeah. it. Even just to put more context on it, I speak to my sister to this day. Mm. I harbor almost no ill will. We're working through it. She was eight. Like, she can't be them. She can't have been the, the, you know what I'm saying? She couldn't have been the mastermind in that situation. Mm -hmm. Now, me and my older sister, on the other hand, we we don't Don't. speak. Mm -hmm. Barely. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my my, my older sister just ended a bit. She just did a bit. And I ain't, we didn't speak the whole bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, our relationship was done. You know what I'm saying? Do you, I'm speculating that the older sister told your younger sister. Yeah, like, okay. like yeah, I feel like that was That's, like manipulation. Okay. You know was, was, was there ever confirmation of that? Um, Did you ever speak nah, I, I don't know how that works because it seems like, and this is the reason why I was, you know, trying to get to the fact that your little sister had done that because she had, they had already gotten you out the house, yeah. which I would have assumed was the goal. Right. So why continue after that? Because they took, because once they took, they took her to, from what I was told, they took her to the doctor to be examined. Mm-hmm. And once you take a child to the doctor to be examined for sexual, any type of sexual, you know, mm-hmm. anything, manipulation, the doctor has it reported. At that moment, it becomes a case. Okay. A case gets mm-hmm. open. You can't just be like, check her for that. She's good? All right, cool. Or not, or whatever. Yeah, and the yeah, doctor yeah. just be like, here's your paperwork. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. they have to report whatever that was. That's how it was told to me. So, 
Um, yeah, because I feel like I think as an adult, you as don't an adult, have to. You don't have you don't to, have but to, as a minor, yeah. you have to. You have yeah. to report anything like that on that level. So, um, yeah, I didn't get I didn't get a court I didn't get a court case until almost a year in. Got a court case a year in. Um, I was acquitted mm-hmm. um, because that doctor report substantiated like that there was no trauma. Mm-hmm. And I know like people, you know, nowadays people are saying like, how can you define rape, right? Right. Yeah. So that's why I said there was no proof, there was no trauma. So there was no mm-hmm. there was no mm-hmm. attempt, there was nothing, mm-hmm. right? And um, you know, DNA tests and things like that. So mm-hmm. like, I was I was done. Did she ever change her story? Uh the story changed a couple of times where it was where it was, what I did, um, what day it happened. Like there was a lot of flexing in okay. terms of the story. But did she ever come out and say, you know what, he didn't do it? Nah, it never happened. Oh. That never happened. So so now there are there are family members that I don't necessarily deal with because, because there's no closure in that, mm-hmm. people don't know how to move. Right. So for me, I know what happened or didn't happen. God knows what happened or didn't happen, but these people, they don't know that. And since I've since distanced myself from them, mm-hmm. um, because I'm not gonna argue with you about it, and I also don't want to reopen it. Like I don't right. want to reopen the case, right? Like you know what I'm saying? In my in my in my family life, like, mm-hmm. well, she lied. I'm not doing. It. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. throw somebody else under the bus. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. how long was your trial? Um, a week. Okay, a week. So the craziest thing, right, was that, like, imagine you're sitting there. Um, you're the defendant and your father has to go, go up on it. Yeah. You look over and it's like your whole fam on the other side and shit. Your father's on the stand. Your sister's on the stand. <clears throat> Everyone's like on the stand and you're just sitting there like, you shitting me? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, mm. um, yeah, man. What were your I, conditions like in Oak Hill? It's tough, man. It was, it was definitely rough. Um, I'll say I got I got my own room. The first mm-hmm. three months I got my own room. After that, I got moved into a pod. That's kind of where like it was rough. The first three months you I kind of stayed to myself mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, I connected with some people. You know, there were a lot of that. There's a the the problem with OK was that, you know, and what it's notoriously known for is that one, they put drug related offenses. With with all types of shit, yeah. similar to like Rikers. Yeah, so they just throw everybody in that motherfucker. It don't matter what you did, you and mm-hmm. Okel. So yeah. I know there was young men, fifteen years old, sixteen years old, that had like two bodies. Mm. You know, two like two confirmed, two on trial for. You know what I mean? Drug trafficking, sex trafficking. Mm. All types of wild shit. That's and crazy, you were 13. Yeah, and I was... Thir- Innocent. I was 13, like, little nigga. Were you a good kid? Yeah. We just spoke about this on the podcast the other day. Like, if... Like, were you the... Like, between us. Like, were you the type of kid who, like, looked for trouble? Or, like, you know. tend to stay out of trouble? All I wanted to do was play ball. That's it. Okay. So, all I did. All I did was watch anime and play ball. That was, mm-hmm. was really mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? So I had my I, I had the typical, I mean, granted, all of the, the the relocation and shit like that, all that aside and everything. I mean, obviously I have trauma because of that, but mm-hmm. 
I was a I was a normal kid. So during that trial process, um, so my mom ends up finding out everything that's going on and everything, and mm-hmm. and she kind of comes she comes full circle to kind of understand like because she made me tell the story to her like twenty times, right. you know, to to either whether it be poke holes, whether it mm-hmm. to be to prep, whether it be to whatever, but. She um she wanted to make sure that you know whatever side I was on, she was like, yeah, I'm I'm on your side, but it's tough. I always think I always think about that. I always think about that moment now. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, like you really didn't believe me. Yeah, you know that's crazy. So, As being thirteen, you know, fourteen around that time, how are you? Like, where's your mind at at this time? Thirteen, fourteen, um. My mind is on why can't I go home? Mm-hmm. I didn't do this. Why can't I go home? Why am I still here? Why are they saying this about me? Um, why me? Yeah. You stay out of trouble while you in there? Uh, fights. Um, I got stabbed. Um, what happened? Yeah. Man, I I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like there was a fight that broke out, and um. I just caught, I caught, um, I guess like a shave. It didn't, it didn't involve you. You were just nah, there. I was just there. Yeah, yeah. Like I was just there and the situation broke out. It was over something stupid, man. Like card game, some game. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Somebody bet something that they did. Somebody ass bet, mm-hmm. basically. And there was a whole situation about, nigga, you owe this or you owe that. And, and um, it just got to a place where there was like just this situation where a massive fight broke out it was like madness and um you didn't really know who was who who was involved who was what and it became a situation where if i don't recognize you mm-hmm. then you're the ops where were you stabbed uh, i was stabbed in the stomach you yeah, know stabbed in the side so i mean yeah man do you have um any type of relationship with anybody that you were in there with to this day? I, I kept in contact with a couple people. Um, excuse me, a couple people. Mm. But since then, a lot of people have, you know, passed mm. passed on. Yeah, um, sure. Whether it be through a couple people through uh, drug violence. Um, I actually just lost a friend last year. Um, yeah, I also, I, I also lost a friend that somebody that I, that I spent time with, who mm. I kind of kept in contact with. Um, just through a robbery gone bad. Um, so at this present time, no. But that, I, I had a really small circle, but unfortunately that circle was very active in other things and that didn't end up well for them. So going through all that you went through, you know, at a young age, when finally everything was done and over with, you're now home, you know, how did that shape your mental going through all of that? You know, moving forward, like, all right, now I can live a regular life, but I also experienced this. It torpedoed my relationships with women mm. on a on an intimate level. Um, like it made me afraid of women. Mm. It made me question motives. It made me question what was said to me. Mm. It made me question um sexual sexual experiences. Right, yeah. even to this day, I have a I like even now like 
<clears throat> I have a complex about consent. I have a complex about consent. Mm-hmm. Consent is extremely important to me to a point where I don't feel comfortable doing what I want to do. I got to hear you say it. I got to hear you. Like, not saying, like, it's not like, do you consent to me eating your box? No, it's not like that. It's not like that, but it's like signs aren't enough. Yeah, it's not. Hints, yeah, hints aren't it's enough. not. It's not. It's not it. Like, yeah. so you want like even in university, like, oh, you know, come come back to my dorm and stuff for what? <laughs> like what? And I know most dudes they they they'll ask for what? Like what's what's popping? What's going? Right. I'm asking for what? And and so when you put me in the same room as the same dudes who ask the same questions I'm asking for a completely different mm-hmm. reason I'm not asking you because I'm I'm trying to ensure that you give that that it's popping it's tonight happen, yeah. I'm asking because I want to know like what's the deal what's the setup is there a setup what's the jokes what's going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. one night stands nah mm-hmm. I can't do that mm-hmm. because I don't trust I don't trust that you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I've had plenty of men that's, that's taken big L's because of that so that's no. also Facilitated a bit further my apprehension about that, but definitely I don't know this person. This person could wake up the next day. She could have been like faded, drunk, high, Molly, perks. She could have been on whatever, and you know, and she wakes up like, yo, like who are there. you? And I'm there, right. and I'm like, oh, we had a good time, nigga. I don't know yeah. you. Yeah. So now I'm stuck, like especially with the climate, with today. the climate that we're in right now. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, that's not something I haven't been doing. One night stands in quite some time, but <laughs> this is back in you know college. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Party to party times and stuff. So it shaped my mind to stay away mm-hmm. and not make myself vulnerable to any he say, she say, right? So like even even recently um got into an argument where it was said to me that your partner is going to like your wife or your girlfriend is going to have sex with you at times when she doesn't want to. Uh, I get what the person was saying. Because mm-hmm. there's going to be times where she's like, I'm not in the mood, but uh, oh, whatever, okay. nigga. You can't <laughs> say that to me. Because yeah. mm-hmm. when you say it to me, I'm going to feel like, well, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Right. And not from an ego standpoint, but I don't want you to do anything that you don't, don't want to do. do. And I don't, and I only want to have sexual intercourse or experiences with somebody who's like I'm down you're down cool if you're not down and I'm down I'll fall back you know what I'm saying so it's definitely you know affected how I open up one and also interact with women on an intimate level as well you um, you said you weren't like a a a bad kid like you weren't looking for trouble and then you had this in that experience how did you I guess motive at, at such a young age, like motivate yourself to quote unquote do the right thing, like finish school, go to college, and the rest is history. I didn't. I never wanted to be in that situation again. Yeah. I just, I just, and I wanted to be in a courtroom. Since then, I've never been in a courtroom. Um, never really, never had a charge, never had a case. I haven't had anything of that nature. You know what I'm saying? So it just scared. I mean, you're scared. Scared straight shit is real. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mm-hmm. a day. It wasn't yeah. a, you know what I'm saying? It yeah. wasn't a day. It was damn near a year. But it was, it, was a, it was a quite substantial amount of time mm-hmm. that I was in For there. a so, child, too. For a child. You know what I mean? So I just needed to like 
I just wanted to stay focused and stay away from it. So, um, yeah, man, it, it it really just it fucked with me mentally um, to the point where you know, like I've I've even thought about. I know that professional help is on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I know that it's necessary. You know what I'm saying? For me to be able to 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 put these these demons to rest and be able to move on. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a child now myself. So mm-hmm. for me, I have to now, when I shape his mentality about women, I have to give him a clean slate. I can't give him my, I can't yeah, give what him you my experience. If you, now, if, we, if he was 15 now, yo, fuck the, yo. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I, but I know that, you know, he's three, so I got a ways mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. But I know that that day is gonna come when he's gonna start talking to me about and he's and I'm gonna have to be the one to shape his interactions with women and 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 what consent needs to look like and what no means mm-hmm. and you know and how to really hone in on that. Um, and I just need to be in the best mental space for me to be able to impart the best wisdom for him. Definitely. When you were released, um, where did you go? We know you've been. So many places. Um, yeah. So when you 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 went in in Baltimore, when you came um, out, DC. Okay. So I was released to the custody of my aunt Carolyn, and I lived with her in Northwest DC. Um, my first year, my first year of my first, I would say half year of semester, I was at um, Eugene Burroughs, uh, which is a high school in Northwest DC, and um, and then I, I was with her until. You know, I can make my way back to New York and did that. So you've been you you've been all over the place with your upbringing: London, uh, Chicago, DC, Baltimore. Um, what would you say is maybe the best and worst part about having that type of uh, like nomadic upbringing? You don't have roots. Mm. Like I, I have, I have pen pals, mm-hmm. but I have no I have no day ones. Your day ones reset. Over and over. So I'm 33. And I'm looking back and everyone's like, even on Instagram, when I'm scrolling and people are like, yo, shout out to my day one, bro. We go back since, we go back since three. You can't say, I can't say mm-hmm. that. Or like, you know, or, or, you know, shout out to my bro. We've been cool since growing up 10, 11, you know what I'm saying? And I can't go, I can't because I've been around so much. Mm-hmm. I remember names, I remember faces, but I don't know what they are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you you lose you lose memories. You lose pieces of yourself because they remind you of what you were. You know what I'm saying? You, and you don't and and while you're with them, you don't get so caught up in who you are at the moment because they there's this there's memories, there's reminiscing, there's you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When we don't have that, you you tend to forget. About what you were like growing up, what you did. Were you funny? Were you whack? Were you lame? <laughs> did you dress trash? Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can't. A lot of my childhood is a blur. Now, does that affect how you deal with friendships today? Like, are you still kind of like standoffish with friends, or do you embrace like being, you know, being in a friendship? You know what I mean with people, relationships, anything like that. Man, I, I was just telling somebody, somebody asked me that the other, like maybe a week and a half ago, and I just said like, I don't need no one. Mm-hmm. And I know that's horrible. You're rolling your eyes at <laughs> yourself. Cause, yeah, because I know it's a horrible thing to say. 
But really, I've seen so many people come and go. If if I can if I can if I can rotate my dad out the out, out, out the you know what I'm saying if I could take him out to start in five like all right yo you you out you out of here mm. you know what I'm saying if I can do that who's safe right. at that point well now you have a, now safe? you have a son you know you you, you have safe. a right yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. he's safe absolutely he's safe um, so you have you know somebody that's gonna move with you, you yeah know, for the course. rest of your existence here yeah. so that, I think that's a really that's a dope thing. Um, going back to um, what do you maybe think is the best part of, um, you know, that kind of moving around? Because it is hard. It, it's it's hard to have your own identity and your own history and roots, right? But um, you've also been a lot of places. You've seen a lot of different cultures. And, um, you know, how, how would you kind of describe that positively? I'm very cultured. Okay. I've, I've seen a lot, been around a lot. I'm worldly. I enjoy, like, I, when you, like, when you travel the world, you, you, like, you live, like, you understand that life is more than a block. Mm. Life is more than an avenue. It's really, it's really all encompassing. It's, it's a journey and, and, you know, and you might have some great memories in these places, but you have to rise above them. You have to recognize that the world is bigger than that. And you have to expand your mind, whether it be through education, whether it be through traveling, whether it be through service, if that's what you want to do. Um, but that was the best part. It really gave me a sense of, I have to achieve. Mm-hmm. I have to achieve. Like, if I want to come back to these places, if I want to move back to London, move to LA, jet set, all this type of stuff, like, I got to put in the work. So, you want to move back to London? Hell yeah, man. All right, get the fuck out of America. <laughs> quick quick like ASAP like you know what I'm saying because it's just not America's not a great place it's not really a great place a lot of socio-economical issues here are just insane that's not to say that they're not insane you know yeah, in other really. places it's crazy over there as well it's crazy everywhere the world is crazy yeah but in America though it's just like a whole nother it's like a whole nother level yeah. you, know you have dual citizenship uh, yes Oh, see, you good. Yeah, I was, I was the other day, you know, for my wife and our anniversary. You know, we was down in all over Manhattan, and I mean, even though I'm out of New York now, I grew up and so I seen this shit like all the time. But you see niggas in cars, Bentleys, dudes with chains, dudes with you know, what I mean, all of this. And then the one thing that stood out is I remember walking to a restaurant and there was a woman sleeping on the floor. I mean, no. Box, no nothing. She was just on the floor like this. I'm like, damn, yo, look at all of this shit that's going around in this city. And look at this woman right here. Then I remember leaving the restaurant. I said, damn, yo, she's still there. You know what I mean? But then again, I'm looking around like, yo, but this city is just moving. There's people with money everywhere. And then there's people like that as well. So it's just wild to see. You know what I mean? My wife, she's from Jersey. So she's seen some of it. But like when she sees it, she's just like, Wow, and I'm like, yo, this is this world, bro. It's yeah, crazy. And people don't have a problem with it either. And that's another, thing. you know, like the, the 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 economic wealth, the gap is so large, and people talk about the one percent, and that's cool. But there's a large chunk of individuals who may not fall into that one percent, but they're good. They're yeah. good, and they don't, and they're just as selfish because they're they're striving to be the one percent. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to just worry about them. We have to worry about them and the people who scheme like them, who have offshore bank accounts, 
like them, who move like them, who who operate in the same rooms, who watch them, who take their who take their methods of 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 achieving wealth, right? They just haven't gotten to that point yet, but they're there. You know what I'm saying? And you have people that grow up in in urban areas like ourselves, and we don't know no better. Mm-hmm. Saying we just live in. Our parents didn't know no better, you know. So, yeah, man, I gotta get the fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, quick, ASAP. How have you um, rebuild your identity? Because I, um, you know, it, it's apparent that it was hard for you to identify with who you were, yeah. right? Um, and I feel like today you're you're you have that. Or you're getting there, getting right? That, um, that, yeah. how, how are you doing that? What's the journey been like? And uh, what was it that finally said, you know what? I'm tired of trying to, you know, adapt and that be it. This moment. This is the first. This is the first time I've ever talked about this publicly um, to someone that wasn't family. And this year, this this year, this year for me. Because I recognize that now people are gonna because I'm becoming something, mm-hmm. people are gonna people are interested. They wanna know. They wanna know backstories, they wanna yeah. know history, they wanna know things like that. And 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 I, I come to an understanding that I gotta tell my story at some point. Yeah. It's not the best story. You know, it's it's story. crazy, but it's my story. I have to own it. Mm-hmm. I have to own it. And I have to I, I can't be out here trying to Speak my truth on podcast and then not speaking my truth on podcast right? mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, can't do that. The one thing that made me smile is like, I don't know when you changed it, but your display name now, Sir Cozy. Oh, yeah, Brixton. Facts, bro. I, I, said, I said, like, yeah, all right, facts, I, I, I yeah. see what you're doing, you know what yeah. I mean? But somebody, man. somebody gave me that name actually. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, somebody started calling me that and, um, and it just kind of got popular. So now, mm-hmm. People just call me that shit, and I just I just run with it. Where yeah. cozy come from? Uh, so cozy came from the fact that I, it was a it was a a way for me to embrace my size. I had oh. been I had been big my entire life, so um, <laughs> part of the thing was that um, you know, my appeal was always that one I dressed well, mm-hmm. um, and that I wasn't ugly. At least I don't think. Well, I was told that I wasn't ugly. Yeah, right? yeah, I got you. But um, and then, you know, girls would lay on me and be next to me and like always say like when they hugged me, "Oh, you're so comfortable." And then when it came time to like say, "What do I want to be?" And I just felt like that was comfy, cozy. Just around with it. I just like stuck. it. Just stuck. Organic. So can you before we wrap up? Um, I guess like. Can you like let some of our listeners know like what are some of the things that you get into now? Like the things that you're doing. Like you have a podcast. Yeah, and- of course. So um one half of the Renate podcast, I do that. I'm also the content director for Basque Agency, which mm-hmm. is a group that throws events all throughout New York, um, event curation group also. Um, and then I'll I'll do graphic design. Fellow struggles with my man Jay over here. <laughs> Some great stories. Um, so content development. Um, and then I just directed my first series 
yesterday. Nice. Saw the pick. Saw the pick. Yeah, it was fire. So yeah. How did, how did you get into and out of the hospitality business and uh, the restaurant business and all that? I walked out. Well, that's how you got out. How'd you get into it? Um, so I was when I was in university, uh, I was working two jobs. Uh, I was at when I was at Morgan State. Um, I was working at Apple and I was working at Hilton. And I was like, yo, I can't do this two job shit anymore. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna just grind out really hard for one to like get promoted, and then I'm gonna quit in the other one. Ended up getting promoted to restaurant manager um, and quit Apple. And while I was a, I was a genius at Apple, quit Apple, was done with that, mm. and kind of ran with it. And salary was really good. I was a really shitty. Quality of life was solid, but it wasn't healthy. But then I, I knew that once I want to do something, I, I got to be the best at it, whether it be this podcasting, whether it be anything. So I was like, you know, I need to get out of Baltimore because the market is really dry mm-hmm. for hospitality and really great restaurants at that time. Now it's not it's good. Yeah, sure. But um, I said, you know, I'm going to just go back to New York. I'm a, You know, because if you, I really had that quintessential like, yo, if I go to New York and kill it. I'm good. I'm I'm in, and I did. I, I I went from I ran, man, luxury boutique hotel restaurant programs, yeah. afternoon tea programs. Uh, I I ran the, the Mandarin Oriental. I ran their restaurant program, mm-hmm. um, Michelin star programs, in, in ten years. You know what I'm saying, and but it just got to a point where I was I had the child. Understood that I was losing myself in that, and mm-hmm. it really just wasn't fun and enjoyable anymore, and that I was missing out on great moments in my in, in my life and in my child's life, mm-hmm. and it just I was looking at my my direct reports, people that I looked up to in the industry, like not happy. You know, hospitality is a very tough industry, um, service industry, human service in any type of capacity is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Health. You know what I'm saying? Anything like that. So props to anyone that's still currently doing that, you know? So now that you're doing what you're doing now, and are broke. you happy? And broke. <laughs> that was going to be my other question, but I didn't want to get in your pockets like that. But are you happy, though? I have I have moments where I'm like, shit. But the grind is so enjoyable, though. Mm-hmm. Like, Like, for example, right? I just started this shit two years ago. Like compared me compared to y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still a mm-hmm. I'm still a baby. You know what I'm saying in the yeah. game, but we you've you moved. You know what I'm saying? But I but I moved the needle, and that goes back to me saying once I say this is what I want to do, I, I got I get all in. So I taught myself audition. I taught myself premiere. Taught myself um editing. I taught myself camera work. Shit. I taught myself how to podcast. You know what I'm saying? And really, and solid too. It wasn't just like, yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? Mm-hmm. Like, I really listened and studied the game. I still study the game now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm looking towards the next thing, 2020, 2021. I'm looking at that. Collaborations with that. Corporate corporate alliances with that. Because gotcha. that's just how I got to do it. I think that's something we could all relate to. And I'm flattered. I could probably speak for all three of us. We're flattered that you you know, hold us in that regard as far as experience and everything. And, and to that extent, um, the fact that you're opening up with us and you mentioned that 
we're the first platform where you're actually talking about this in debt with people that aren't family. I think it's incredibly dope that you're aware of the fact that this is something that you've made the decision yeah. to do, right? Because you could have also said no. So I want to give you the credit Appreciate also that. to understand that, you know, it's not only us trying to, to you know, press the issue. It's something in yourself where you had to um, be comfortable enough and, and, allow yourself to open up that way. So I think that's yeah. really dope. Um, and to to wrap this up, I just want you to, um, you know, tell us and the listeners, you may have already said it, but what is the most important uh, quality about yourself that you think people should know when, when they're, um, hey, they see you at an event, they, they're getting ready to be in the same space as you, they're going to reach out to you on social media, whatever it is, get to know you. Uh, what's, the, what's the most important thing about yourself that you think people need to know? This goes back to you having your own identity and really yeah. you know, um, knowing you. I read bullshit really well. I am open arms to genuine vibes. Mm. I often discuss how people move on social media and how people move in human interaction. And I, and I, I tend to be able to assess if this is a relationship that's genuine or if you have something to gain from me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we're connecting. I've had people magically like, oh, bro, like, I didn't know you would be here. I'm like, well, mm. you don't know me to know that I would be here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, oh, yo, can we build? I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's let's talk. And it's like, y'all want to develop the show? Like, what, you know, what, what are some ideas? My, my nigga, it's your, it's your vision. I'm here to help you. But it's your vision. So I'm not going to give it to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to give you that. I can't. And if I gave it to you, then it's not yours. And you're not, you wouldn't necessarily own it the way I own mine or the way that y'all own yours. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I would say genuine vibes only, really. Approach me. I'm approachable. I don't look approachable, but I'm approachable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't sound approachable, but I'm approachable. Mm -hmm. But approach me the right way. Approach mm -hmm. me when it's genuine and it's real and you really want to build some shit. Aside from that, the linkers, I'm good. I'm good on the linkers. We love it, man. Well, we really appreciate you for coming yeah, to doing this, man. Appreciate it's very, you guys very well. important. I think also that, um, you know, other people out there that have similar, um, you know, feelings about their history and you know people that don't really know how to identify with themselves and don't really know how to be open about who they are and how they grew up i think it's important that they hear this and and you know feel so good, like man. they're not alone exactly yeah. that's why i did it yes thank Thanks, you man. respect man appreciate you guys again it's been real it's been thank fun you man. Through, yeah, yeah of course of course thank you for checking out this week's episode Survivor Series was created by Cherry Poppins, recorded and engineered by J Omega, and me, I was just here. The Survivor Series is a production of the Officially Street Podcast. 